Welcome to In Awe and Wonder, where we talk things of faith, Bible, theology, and worship. God sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Psalm 111.9. I'm your host, Kristen Hamilton. Hi, and welcome to the In Awe and Wonder podcast. This episode is the second of a four-part series called Reboot. I'm calling this episode Reboot Reforming. So this is tracing my personal church history along with my reforming journey. This story is very convoluted and hard to explain because there are several factors that went into my reforming journey. So I'll begin with my church history. My parents became Christians before I was born. When they had me, they were attending a small country Methodist church that my grandparents went to. I was actually baptized in that Methodist church. So I was raised in a Christian home. We attended that church until I was probably around six years old. Then the pastor there decided to break away from the Methodist church and plant a new church. That one was an Evangelical Free Church of America. We attended that E-Free Church until I was 16. So I grew up in Sunday school, children's church, youth group, VBS, and I had even started helping to teach the kids in children's church and in the nursery. I know the youth pastor was a solid guy, and I can still remember one of his gospel presentations at a youth retreat. We did Bible memory, Bible quizzing, Bible drills, so we learned our way around the Bible and lots of Bible study. It was a solid foundation. When I was 16, my family started attending a different church. It was a church of God affiliated with the Anderson, Indiana denomination. I went to college and got married, and my husband and I continued attending this church when we lived in our hometown. I actually ended up working as the administrative assistant at this church for four of my working years before we had kids. And I'd just like to clarify also that this is a Church of God out of Anderson, Indiana, even though we didn't live in Indiana. But it is different than the Church of Gods who are from Cleveland, Tennessee, that I think are Pentecostal. And there's also a cult that I've heard of now, also called Church of God. So it was neither of those two. It was the other Anderson, Indiana affiliation. Okay, so then as we began moving around, um, here are the denominations of churches that we have attended. There are three different Church of Gods affiliated with Anderson, Indiana, a Vineyard USA, an independent charismatic church, an independent gospel preaching Calvinistic church, a Presbyterian church in America, and a Bible Fellowship church, which is Reformed Baptist. So before we started reforming, we were in mostly churches that teach believers baptism. My husband was baptized as a baby in the Catholic Church and myself in a Methodist church. But because of all the teachings we had heard on baptism, we felt led to be baptized as believing adults. Ironically, we were baptized in the charismatic church. So we've been both sprinkled and dunked. And I joke that we have both views on baptism covered. I want to share, too, what I always pointed to as my testimony. 
In the 70s and 80s, my parents followed around a regional Christian rock band, going to many of their concerts. They became friends with the band members, and when I was born, the band even bought me a cute dress and bonnet outfit. I grew up going to these concerts with my parents and listening to their music. During their concerts, they always had a time when they would share the gospel and have an altar call. At one point, when I was only four years old, I felt a pull to go forward to ask Jesus in my heart and dedicate my life to him. I definitely remember the gospel message and being concerned for my eternal state, whether I would go to heaven or hell when I died. So my parents took me forward and my dad said a prayer that I repeated. I was in a Christian home and in the church. I never was rebellious. I didn't swear, drink, smoke, do drugs, or party. I was an introvert, compliant, and thinking I was pretty good. In fact, I can remember at one point even wondering how close to perfect I was. Wow. So I did have some pride issues and didn't really grow up with a total reliance on God. But I didn't realize this until I was a bit older. However, I have just always believed in the triune God and in Jesus' death and resurrection to save sinners from eternal hell. The first time I really truly remember hearing about Jesus imputing his righteousness to us was at a youth retreat when I was a young teen. Others might have said it around me before, but that's when being clothed in Christ's righteousness really registered with me. So I didn't have a big, exciting conversion story, and looking over my life, I can't say when true regeneration occurred. But I have experienced God working in my life, such as a couple times pleading for him to take away certain sins and changing my heart, and he has. Also, he has kept me safe and sheltered, and his word, the scriptures, have comforted me in hard times. Many things have come into my life that would be called bad things by most people, but they have been used for my growth and sanctification. And I'll be talking about these things in the next episode. I just want to say here, though, that when I had miscarriages, my searching for answers sort of woke me up, so to speak, to get back into reading and studying the Bible and more prayer. I had had a time of being lackadaisical in Bible reading and prayer in my late teens and early 20s. And I read several books about miscarriage. And I have to say the one that helped me the most was John MacArthur's Safe in the Arms of God. So switching gears to tracing my spiritual journey, we'll pick up around the time I was 30, a young mom, and we had started moving around. I'll start by saying that I had a personal conviction and drive to read and study the Bible which is good, and I'm a voracious nonfiction reader. This is both good and bad, depending on where resources are coming from. The churches that we attended never went very deep on teaching theology and doctrine, nor were Bible study materials or resources vetted for how solid they were. With no direction, a person like me just jumps into the newest, latest thing in the evangelical Christian world. I normally did a fairly good job guarding myself from getting into anything too crazy, but our time in the Vineyard Church, being unaware of its roots and charismatic history, didn't realize it was a type of charismatic church. Being there sort of slowly and subtly eroded away at that guard that I had put in place for myself. 
So I did go off the more orthodox rails for a while, and I'll try to explain how I went on a spiritual detour over into charismania, and then the blinders fell off, and I realized how wrong it was, and God brought me back into the fold and into Reformed theology. The passage in John 10, where the sheep hear Jesus' voice and follow him, and they will flee from a stranger's voice, is a good description of what happened, and I'll come back to that reference later. Around 2014, I started getting what I would describe as a spiritual restlessness. A couple of these reasons might have been because all my kids were in school all day, so I was home alone during the day for the first time and graduating from MOPS, so saying goodbye to that chapter of my life and not really sure what would be next. I was listening to lots of Joyce Meyer teachings. I was in a Bible study where we were doing Beth Moore workbooks, and I was reading Jesus Calling. I had almost five years of being around vineyard teachings, which were charismatic emotionalism and thinking on supernatural things in the then recent past. So somewhere along the way, I just wanted to feel closer to God. I got the idea that a person could feel and experience the presence of God in a tangible way and that there were levels or degrees of closeness that people could get to God. So I was praying, asking God to get closer and watching for signs and feelings. I felt there was more than just mundane Bible reading and prayer. I was thinking in a very mystical way, which was contrary to my childhood foundation. I was in a place where I was watching for signs of God's presence and was being swayed by winds of doctrine that were swirling around. Some of these teachings that at least caught my attention and I looked more into include what I'll be talking about next. I had a dream where I woke up with the words fear and trembling in my mind. Upon waking up, I looked up the Bible verse with that phrase and found Philippians 2.12, where it says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So I began looking into what salvation is and how it happens. That verse made it seem like there were things we had to do to contribute to our salvation, or at least to stay saved. Around the time I was researching this, a friend on Facebook started posting stuff about the new perspective on Paul. I followed that trail for a little while, but eventually moved on. For those who don't know what the new perspective on Paul is, I won't get into all of it, but in basic simplicity, it would interpret this verse the way that I did at first and says that Paul was teaching works are a necessary element of salvation. My friend who was posting about it had been attending a Christian university to become a pastor, and I'm not sure how far he got in his studies, but ended up veering away from Protestantism and joined the Catholic Church. That's ultimately where the new perspective on Paul will lead a person. I started thinking deeper about things and having questions that I never really thought about much before. I wanted to write a book about the spiritual issues surrounding miscarriages, so a lot of these more theological things started coming up in my mind so that I could get a good foundation for writing. I was under a delusion that I could somehow articulate a golden nugget that no one else had been able to write that would help ladies to stay in the faith and grow closer to God through this experience of miscarriage. In my own experience, I held on to God in my faith and learned a lot about God and grew spiritually from it. I thought that if I could figure out why or what made me hold on even tighter to God rather than to get mad at God or fall away from faith, like I observed some ladies doing, 
I could explain it and somehow try to convince these women to keep holding on, to accept God's love and comfort, and also accept the hard things that he gives us. Especially coming from a background that was lacking in solid theological training, I really had no idea how to go about attacking this. So I started Googling questions in an effort to get to the root of the issues. Along the way, I came across the definition of Arminianism and Calvinism on Wikipedia. Off the cuff, I thought Calvinism sounded unfair, so I rejected it and thought Arminianism sounded good. Then I came across Molinism, which addresses predestination in a way that embraces free will to where they think God looked down the corridors of time and saw who would choose him and those are whom he predestined. I thought that sounded good and fair too. So just within myself, I didn't broadcast on social media or talk to anyone. I settled that I was an Armenian Molinist in my theology. At the same time, I started wondering more about church history. I wanted to learn more and how the church went from the disciples after Jesus' resurrection up to the present day. I wondered how and why all the different denominations came about. I had a friend in a Bible study um, that I was part of in our neighborhood who is a Catholic, and she started researching church history also. Um, her research was from a Catholic perspective, and she was sharing with us how the Catholic Church was the original church and how they think they are the one true church. Regardless, wondering about all the splits and traditions had me curious. That led me to wondering more about the Jews and their culture and traditions. I thought about how they were God's original chosen people, so perhaps their tradition had an inside track on getting closer to God. I had heard of the Hebrew Roots Movement, but didn't look into it, thankfully. I just had some notion that Jewish Christians must be extra special to God. I thought about buying books on learning the Hebrew language and books on their culture to learn more, but I never actually did any of that. What I did do is purchase a Jewish study Bible that has commentary notes by rabbis in it. I started reading in Genesis along with the notes. It was interesting as it shows their differences in beliefs and interpretation, but I quickly saw those differences and thought it wouldn't be profitable to continue reading and have to parse out and discern the differences. So it's just sitting on a shelf and I suppose could be used for reference if needed. Um, so when we moved up to Maine, the first church we began attending was a charismatic church. We didn't know it was charismatic at first, but quickly found out it was. I thought that as long as there weren't any really crazy things going on in the services, we could ignore the charismatic tendencies. But being back in the charismatic environment brought a focus more on spiritual gifts. Just before we had moved to Maine, one of my husband's clients had given him a booklet about the spiritual gifts, which I picked up and read through. It was from a continuationist perspective. I give the author credit for using scripture and explaining their interpretation very well. It was so well, in fact, that I became convinced that all Christians should be experiencing these gifts. And I mean like the sign gifts and the supernatural gifts, like healing and miracles and tongues and prophecy. So that led me to reading several books about the different gifts, and they were all by charismatics. And that led to a reading a couple books by Chris Volatin. I don't know if I say his name correctly, 
but he is from the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. I was asking God for favor and anointing in my prayer life and to display the spiritual gifts, that he would give me those gifts. Looking back, I see how extremely man-centered and prideful the whole charismania thing is. It all seems so abominable and vile to me now. The one solid beacon of hope came by way of a daily devotional book that my sister and brother-in-law had given me for Christmas. It was New Morning Mercies by Paul David Tripp. I was faithfully reading that every day. I also bought a chronological study Bible in New King James Version and started reading through it. Of course, I had read Genesis before and knew all the usual accounts and events in the Bible. But as I read, I had questions I had never thought of before and did a lot of research through the Answers in Genesis ministry. Around the same time, I had changed the name of my blog to In Awe and Wonder, at first meaning to sort of have a charismatic supernatural type of play on the words. Then I saw a book called Awe, Why It Matters for Everything We Think, Say, and Do, also by Paul David Tripp. Since I was enjoying his devotional so well, I figured this book would be good too. It was, and I loved how it went along with the new name of the blog and sort of refocused the direction I was going to go. And in fact, I sent an email to the pastor of the charismatic church and recommended it to him. And just so you know, I never did get a reply from him. So the gospel was clearly shown in these resources and making an impact on me to come back to the fold. During the same time, I was still listening to Joyce Meyer and started watching Christine Kane on YouTube. One day as I was searching through some videos, there was a young Hispanic pastor from Southern California who came up. The title of his video caught my attention, so I listened to it. I came to find out that he is a Pentecostal who calls himself an evangelist and a healer. He loves Benny Hinn, which I thought was weird because we all know about Benny Hinn being a quack, right? So this guy was basically trying to start up a virtual church on YouTube. He had a guy who would be on with him to sing and play guitar, and then he would give a message and pray. I honestly can't remember the guy's name or the name of his YouTube channel. I think God has mercifully blocked it out of my memory, uh, and I'm not about to go searching for it. Anyway, I ended up watching many of his videos. Despite his love of Benny and the spiritual gifts and knowing that he was off track theologically on several things, I do see three positive things for me from watching his videos. One is that he explained justification in a way that I had never heard before and it allowed me to get a better grasp on the meaning of justification. Another thing was that he quoted a lot from Psalm 51 and also uh, the worship leader guy that was on with him would sing the song from that Psalm, Created Me a Clean Heart, O God, and Renew a Right Spirit Within Me, which I had learned that song a long time ago. And it was a very good reminder and brought me back to reading that psalm. The other reference that he used several times was from Ezekiel 36, 26. 
and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I rightly understood these passages to reflect salvation and regeneration. I began thinking about what a wedge sin drives between God and man and personalizing it to recognize my sins and what distance must even be between God and me. So I began praying for these things, a clean heart, a renewed spirit, and a heart of flesh, not of stone. I read Psalm 51 and cried, and I made it my prayer. That brings me to what I call the last straws. There was a last straw in what I was reading and a last straw at the charismatic church. The last thing I read pertaining to this charismania was an ebook that I bought on my Kindle by none other than Bill Johnson. I don't remember which book of his it was, but I bought it and started reading it right away. I got through about four chapters and I just couldn't read any more. I could tell that this man was misusing and misunderstanding scripture. I had these thoughts that this was wrong. I couldn't put my finger on exactly why, but perhaps the Holy Spirit was guiding me, alarming me that it was wrong. I felt like I wanted rid of this book, that simply deleting it off my Kindle wouldn't be enough. I just wanted it completely gone. So I had no idea if people could return Kindle books, but I went on Amazon to find out. Um, Sure enough, if you buy a Kindle book and for whatever reason don't want it anymore, within a certain time frame, and it's short, like about 12 or 24 hours, it can be returned. So just like they deliver the book to your device wirelessly, they will also delete it out of your account and then they credit you for the purchase price and I was within the time frame so I returned it that is the one and only Kindle book that I have ever returned I started googling Bill Johnson then and found some people supporting him but also found a lot of people saying he was a false teacher one of those was a couple of episodes by Echo Zoe Ministries I listened to those episodes and started binging on lots more I soon heard many discussions of sound theology and doctrine. So my thanks goes out to Andy Olson, who hosts and does the Echo Zoe podcast for having these episodes. And I quickly came up to speed on reformed and solid theological discussions. And it also led me to many other solid resources. Right around that same time, my parents came to visit and went to church with us. During that service, which didn't happen each time, a lady got up to give a prophetic word. This word she gave was a bit bizarre. After the service, my mom said, you know, that wasn't biblical. In my heart, I knew. I was getting more and more unsettled about that church. Then the last straw was a couple weeks later when communion was being served on a Sunday The pastor said some of the usual things about the Lord's Supper observance, but he also was talking about by his wounds we are healed and seemed to start talking about physical healing as if he expected to see some miracles come out of the observance of the Lord's Supper that week. It just seemed wrong to me as if he had in a sense defiled the Lord's table. 
I talked with my husband and explained to him my uneasiness and that we maybe ought to find another church. It just felt wrong, and I wanted to be done with charismania. That's when we found a Calvinistic independent church to attend. It was so good to get into a solid Bible-preaching church where we heard the clear gospel. To be honest, I knew there were false teachers out in the world, but I never thought I would be influenced by them. I thought they would be obviously wrong and that they would either not use scripture at all or would twist it so very badly that it would be so clear that I could avoid them. I didn't have the correct idea of discernment. From all the mysticism, I thought discernment meant discerning spirits, not necessarily people. And I didn't know exactly what the definition of a false teacher was or how to identify them. I didn't recognize that teachers, preachers, etc., who called themselves Christians and used scripture verses in their teachings could be false teachers. So my experience was a really good lesson in false teachers and discernment. This whole roundabout journey finally brought me back to my roots, so to speak. I had a good foundation built on the gospel message in my young years. But along the way, we were swept up in emotionalism, mysticism, and moralistic preaching and teaching, and without training in solid theology and discernment. All of the pride and self-edification found in the quest to display spiritual gifts, the focus on self, the uh, striving to receive blessings, all of the blinders fell off, and I saw it for what it was. It was detestable to me, and I wanted to run from it. I repented over the pride that had grown within me, the idolatry, the wrong view of God I had lapsed into, and I wept again over Psalm 51. I was back in the fold, back to what I know was the truth. Jesus is the good shepherd, and the sheep hear his voice. That's not a literal voice, but a knowing deep inside that something is truth. And as a person hears or reads the gospel, the Holy Spirit indwelling the believer will testify to that truth by the believer knowing that it's right. I am now reformed, embrace the doctrines of grace, am a cessationist, and amillennialist. I have studied all these things as well as church history over the past two and a half years of my reforming journey. The doctrines of grace, also known as the points of Calvinism, I will admit I had seen most of the points in scripture before, but I had not known exactly how to interpret them or that they even had a name. I learned to read the Bible differently instead of spiritualizing every verse and also twisting the context to be about me and my circumstance. I began reading with a literal and in-context interpretation. Whereas I used to have an idea that everyone could read the Bible and we could each get something different from it, I now know there is a right way to read and interpret. We are now in a Reformed church with expository preaching, and I have found many wonderful pastors, teachers, conferences, ministries, podcasts, and blogs that are at least semi-Reformed or fully Reformed and are very sound theologically. I just want to thank the Theology Gals podcast and Facebook group as well. They have been very instrumental in my reforming journey and my growth. 
uh, learning about different theological topics and helping to guide my studies and also in the area of discernment. So this is my convoluted reforming journey. We will always be learning, growing, and being sanctified for our earthly lives. So the journey continues. However, my study of solid theology and study of scripture in the proper way is absolutely unshakable. This podcast will stand by these truths, whether directly or indirectly stated. In the fourth episode of this reboot series, I will be talking about the purpose and outlook of this podcast. Some of these purposes are to talk about the specifics of studying the scripture and theology, and also discernment and filtering things through a biblical lens. My goal with discernment is not to be like a discernment ministry that just points out errors, but rather to learn to pause before accepting something as true, and how to filter it biblically and objectively. In the next episode of this reboot series, I'll be sharing our physical sufferings that we have dealt with over the years, such as our personal experiences with birth defects, miscarriages, and more. Thanks for listening. Join me on the next episode. Please like, subscribe, and share. You can find my blog at www.kristen-hamilton.com. You can follow the Facebook page called In Awe and Wonder Blog. And you can follow me on Twitter at Kristen Hammy. That's K-R-I-S-T-E-N-H-A-M-I. Have a great day and keep reading your Bible.